What's up, Big Bird? <laughs> How you feeling, King? Feeling pretty well. I'm a little, um, you know, I took one of the, I took a rose edible earlier today. It's, it's hitting me a little heavier because I'm on an empty stomach. Shout outs to Jason. Rose. What's what's the deal with all this midday drug use? Like, I don't really, I don't know if if this is good or bad for the program. For, for the program being the how long on podcast? Uh, I don't know either. No, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll. It's it's very rare that I'll take an edible in pod, but I usually will take the edible, and then it kicks in afterwards like it, it usually takes like an hour or something for an edible to kick in so oh, i see so you think you're slick and you got it all timed out right i got it all timed out right i, I but you know it's it's not an exact science with the edibles sometimes it'll won't hit you Hold at all on. are you telling me that drugs are not an exact science i'm telling you that some drugs are but definitely i would say edibles are the least predictable yeah i would agree drugs. well there's i think and that's because digestion is involved yeah, there's yeah because there's digestion involved. There's just so many factors and and different scenarios that go into play that God only knows. You know, everyone's body is different. But if you if you take a hit of weed off of a joint, you know, you pretty much know what's going to happen. And if you eat, uh, you know, a zanny zanny bar, you pretty much know what's going to happen. Damn right. So can you snort a rose edible, or is that not work? Uh, I. <laughs> It, it it is a, a the 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 rose edible is similar to a Turkish delight chewy candy. So, uh, so, you, so it would be tough to snort. I I think if I put it into my um, <laughs> my grinder, uh, it, it might turn out to be a pretty gummy mess. Okay, I'm out on those then. Clog um, up the grinder, but you know, shout I out see. to Scott over at Plant Paper and Rose for for hooking me up with the pack. Yeah, as a person who can't use edibles, I do use plant paper. Uh, I'm a I was a purchaser before I relocated to LA. I love the the ethos of the business. It's a smashing little ethos, isn't it? Yeah. So I try to plan it right, and then at the, you know at the end of the podcast, if some you know if I'm feeling bored, then you know that you know. Or Hold on, if you're feeling bored, bitch, you were talking to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is absolutely impossible to feel anything but elation and joy and that stimulation. That's true, but you know it is a spectrum of joy and in and uh, attention, and that spectrum varies depending on what the subject matter is. Like if you're going to go on, you know, about like a, a band that I don't really listen to, then I might start checking out a little bit. Um, you know. Your bad taste in music is not my problem, and honestly, it would probably serve you better to pay attention so you could learn a little something about having good taste. You know, based on your tone, it does kind of sound like it is your problem, Chris. <laughs> 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 oh, fuck you! You, you feel you, I feel a little irk from you. Yeah, um, but otherwise, hey, you know, we're we're gonna have a great menswear chat today with a with an OG menswear man. So so the. So I, I was I had I had heard of and I was familiar with, but I was not a part of the a continuous lean community. Could you could you break that down a little bit for me, please? I mean, he just had like kind of the the most important like independent website uh, of that era, and the it, it was especially known for its rich comment section. Um, I didn't actually participate that much, but it would be 
there would be like biblical posts of dudes just destroying each other, arguing about things that truly don't matter. So, um, so it was it was specifically in the menswear world. I mean, he it was a little more broad than that because I think Michael's interests are more broad than that. But yes, I think that's why it's that's that's you know nothing men love to argue about on the internet more than like a a hymn length. <laughs> Brother, we are on some different chat rooms. Yeah, you guys were talking. Yeah, the holler board was nerdier in a worse way, maybe. Um, it was yeah, but it was but it was a real you know we we were, we talk a lot about community as being like a big benefit of of newsletters yeah. and websites and everything like that. You know that that is a community that happened without really knowing that it was happening to you, which is why it was kind of magical and special. And now. Very powerful. I now now communities like, are like prescribed to us as like an experience in life that you have to pay for yeah. because you can't find your own community yourself. Jason, I don't know about you, but I'm sick of paying for stuff. Well, I am not sick of paying for stuff because I don't. I didn't pay for stuff to begin with, baby. I know. We know you're cheap. That's your role in this podcast. Yeah, I'm the cheap one, and you you're the one who's. It appears that you're sick and tired of paying for everything. No, I'm just kidding. I love contributing to to different independent businesses with my income. Um, yeah, like um, like cable television and stuff. Exactly, like that. big spectrum. <laughs> uh, but this dude, this shit we should talk about before Michael comes on. This, this shit going on with the NBA is pretty crazy, huh? Yeah. So they they boycotted playing, and now they have no. That's the thing. That's that you're using the wrong term. They're on strike. Sorry, sorry. They they went on strike. And then that's my bad. They went on strike, and then I heard that they reached an agreement with pretty pretty quickly. I decided, I am, to, decided to to play the rest of the the postseason out. Uh, apparently, yes. I mean, I, I don't you know I, I don't fully understand. Which I mean, for that to happen that quick is pretty crazy. Because I mean the. You know, the Jacob Blake, the, the murder of Jacob Blake happened like a few days ago. I mean, I think the, the NBA um, and, and sports in general, I think it's a it, it's interesting because I don't care about sports and this actually makes me interested in it. And it's kind mm-hmm. of the it's kind of a a testament to the power that sports have in this country. And that yeah. it is it is it like cutting people off from playoff basketball is is that important. It's crazy to me. But I, I mean, I'm obvi- very curious to see what happens in the football world if people start, you know, taking a knee for reals and just not playing. Well, like, I think what, the issue- what will happen there because I, I I think that NBA, you know, is the is the least racist out of or like you know race racist bro zone out of any of the major sports. Uh, I would probably agree, but I think the problem with all of these sports and professional sports in general is that the the power structure is basically like old rich white man owns mm-hmm. team full of young black men that play. Yeah. Um, so optically, it's it's very bad, and I think um, operationally, it's not great. Um, but I think someone like LeBron James has immense power that goes far beyond mm-hmm. the world of sports. Just the influence that he wields in in like kind of everything is 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 wild and impressive, and I think that him taking a stand as like a leader is is a very important thing to do. Um, and I think that he did it kind of at the perfect time. Um, I think he yeah. saw he saw the opportunity to really use his power for good and and flex those muscles, and it it seems it's a like a beautiful it thing. 
work to some extent. Work, I mean, obviously that means a lot of different things. But I think. Well, it, what what do you think happened in because they had they they announced that they were going to they were not going to play for the rest of the season, and then we went to sleep, and then we woke up, and they said they reached an agreement. So what what do you think happened in those chats? Did somebody just say like people are going to riot in the streets if I don't the know don't play? Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, that's the thing. I think the issue is it's like these owners of these teams obviously they donate money to, to charities and they do all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. they also are giving large sums of money to politicians. They're hiring off-duty police officers to work there. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's just such a huge system. And the way it all weaves together is, is probably much more complicated than we realize as, as like, you know, citizens, yeah. you know. Um, Do you think I, that racist people will start their own new NBA? That would be really interesting because it would be full of talentless, talentless <laughs> white boys. And that is something that would not do well ratings wise. Um, <laughs> you know, that would be tough. I, I, but I do wonder, I mean, I wonder what that agreement, I'm sure it'll, it'll eventually come out um, what that, what that is and what that means. But I, I do think that it's, um, it's, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's just shocking to me that that sports is the conduit for this kind of thing to be discussed at like a level that seems as fervent as protests. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, I just well, that thank, is really thank God that athletes, you know, are are there for us to do this because agreed. You know, I mean, they, they they know how much power they have personally, and they have their own voice. They have their own platforms, and they can you know, create some real change. Who, who, who would have ever thought that athletes were going to be the ones to change the world like this, but God bless. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see what happens. I mean, I think that, I think that, um, you know, uh, it's, I don't know, man, it's, it's so fucked on so many levels still, but I think that this is at least a step in the right direction because these are very powerful people. Um, Mm -hmm. and it, it obviously, the, the lack of sports on television is apparently making people fucking insane. Um, so <laughs> it, if, if you can play that against them and have these people understand um, that, that, you know, yeah, sports until, is the until, only thing a lot of people have. It's crazy. But like to, 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 if you take away one playoff basketball game and that makes, you know, 10 fucking dumb white guys realize that, that racial injustice is a bigger issue than you watching playoff basketball mm-hmm. on your couch then I guess we. I guess that's a step in the right. You you can't discount it's that. A, it's a win. It's a win. It's a win. No pun intended. My pun was intended, but it's absolutely a win. It's amazing. You know, the what even even though they agreed to to or allegedly they agreed at the at the time of this recording to go back and play the rest of the season. It, it only was twelve hours where they were they were protesting playing a lot. A lot of change probably happened in just those those twelve hours. A lot of people I mean, looked I, at it like in a, with a new set of eyes. Yeah, totally. And I think that that is, you know, I, I think that it, it, it's it's a full court press, no pun intended, about oh, everything. Jesus. That actually was. I'm sorry, but like it's 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 going to require it's going to require like every little thing. You know what I mean? To touch touch every person that needs to hear it. So it's. I mean, for me, it, it's not going to be sports, but for a majority of America, it is. So you know, kudos. Yeah, it takes a global village. It won't be sports for you, but whatever the people on Bravo Network are up to with their uh, philanthropic efforts to change the world, yes, um, yeah. you will be I'm behind sh- them. Yes, I will. I, if if 
Thank you for noticing. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's give Big Mike a call and see what's popping over here. Brentwood. Okay, sounds good. What's up? What's up, guys? What's up? What what's is it? What's up? We're here. We're joined by Michael Williams. Thank you for joining us, Michael. It's, I know it's it's tough for you to take time out of your day of grilling and playing <laughs> golf to you know just talk to two other guys that are taking time out of their day from important stuff i mean so, we're all busy um, we're all busy people but you know thankfully you know we can schedule this all in you know we can make it happen it, it's true it's tough it's tough if you if you saw my gcal your jaw would drop uh tennis a lot of t- <laughs> no. like a lot of tennis in there yeah it would drop be like wow this guy this guy does a lot <laughs> of like uh <laughs> This guy does a lot of elliptical well, and Pilates work. <laughs> Guys, look, the the tennis thing is Jason and I, first of all, Jason and I play a lot together, Michael, and we play at like 3 p.m. because it's the only time you can get a court in L.A. right now. It is, oh, really? It's and sizzling hot, six, Michael. That, it's 6 p.m. in New York, so I'm done anyway. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? That Those are, you know, well, except for the it's hard to get, you know, right now it's hard to get a tennis court. I actually think it's, I don't know, in my neighborhood it's like, all these houses have private tennis courts and like all the tennis guys, I don't have a tennis court. I'm just saying like all, like my tennis instructor is like, Oh yeah. I, I, yeah, no (laughs) tennis court. It's disappointing. Um, He's like, bitch, I got two kids. Shut the fuck up. What you mean? I got, I got money for a tennis court. I mean, you have a tennis court. Yeah, You got two kids. Chris has two rackets. (laughs) Exactly. So you're playing, so you have a coach. I have it. Well, so, I have the, you know, shout out Grant Freeman, who's like the West LA, you know, tennis. He's like grew up in Brentwood, you know, basically played here his whole life and like knows everyone. He's like got this, he's got this crazy circuit of like West LA moms that he just like, like he has all mm. these morning clinics. I don't go that much. I go a little bit. I want to get in on But this he actually, Michael, we're going to need you to tell sweetie. us on a scale of one to 10 how hot he is. <laughs> yeah. um you know is it for for you if i'm pairing him up with you or is it hot to me just no just a general yeah, what, hotness, oh, hot, like how hot, hot is this i'm guy? not talking about skills i'm talking about how does Looks. his body and face look <laughs> i don't think grant is uh grant i don't know that grant is uh i think he's an eight you know I don't think that's, he's look. He's you know. I think you know that's an LA eight, which you know. I think in other places, probably <laughs> LA eight is a LA eight is a global twelve. I would say <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's a one point um, five multiple on hot. Global. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. You know, because when I when I was working with Soul Cycle, uh, I was told <laughs> that the instructor who made the most money was like a guy my age, like a white guy with tattoos who worked up East Side, and they said that multiple times husbands had came in looking. Oh my for god. Him. Amazing. <laughs> Which I was like, I think, but tennis instructor is a classic hottie yeah. job. You know, it's like you didn't, you got hurt. Maybe you didn't make, you know, you couldn't play anymore. And now it's kind of implied you know, you that this. you are able to fuck the people that you are instructing, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's an understood, it's, it's built into the yeah, fee and when structure. You're, when you're paying the uh, money, you're learning the tennis, but we're also going to need to get you out of that shirt at some point during the match. Exactly. If you want to exactly. see the How other side often? of this $60. How often are you doing this? I don't, you know, we've been on, so we've been like mega strict lockdown. So we've been really, cause we have a, a four month old baby. So, you know, my wife's, you know, very mm-hmm. concerned about the COVID. Um, 
So we're just we're sick. I haven't. I sounds like sounds like your wife's concerned, and you're not that concerned, and that can be causing. No, some it's not. We're good. I'm I'm on board with whatever she's on board with. Michael, well. Michael, yeah. su- super spreaders are able to kind of sniff each other out with with their uncanny. Exactly. Sense. You you came as soon as I saw your face. I was like, Michael is definitely on team super spreader. Yeah, <laughs> Williams, Williams, I will spread for you. I want to be on Super Spreader, but, uh, you know, I've learned after five or six years of marriage, however long it's been, you know, you just don't, I can't fight, you know, I'd have to submit. It's not worth it. Especially, especially, I think, I I would say the only thing I would be careful about would be children. I think that is a reasonable reason. Um, I know you're dipping your bananas in bleach before you eat them, but I, 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 that might not be. Yeah, for the kids, though. I, so I, yeah, we have a kids. room where I'm supposed to wipe all the groceries down, you know, and I walk in there with a, a garbage can lid and a broom and I just hit it. And, you know, I'm in there for 20 minutes checking my Instagram and I come out, and, you know, oh, yeah, it's, I took, it's all wiped down. Everything's clean. That's like Jason when he, he fake washes his hands after he goes to the bathroom. He just turns I'm the able, water I'm able to do it with hands free, Chris. Oh, I see. I didn't realize that. So, so that's guys, that's so, the Brentwood. Wait, so version, let me go. Uh, that's the Brentwood version of having a mud room in your house. Like this is the vegetable and and this is <laughs> yeah, where we yeah. wash the this cleaning is the farmers that market. We just wash that we used oh, yeah, to wash. We, exactly. Yeah, we had a UV bath installed. You know, just mm. anytime you enter the home, you have to stand. You have to stand in the smart, UV bath. It's just bath smart to get one at the house. You minutes. know. It's, it was easier, you know, we had the infrared sauna guy here anyway, so it was like, why not? Yeah, it was like getting Spotify and <laughs> so Hulu you, together to just kind of bundle them and it's chill. Exactly. So you guys have been playing because it's safe. Uh, well, no, we just have played because it's, you know, it's like California. You know, the the one thing I think about with the difference between New York and L.A., which is a little bit upended now because of covid and it's tennis is so busy yeah. but you can't do anything to get a tennis court in new york like you, there's it's impossible. No, it's impossible and like midtown tennis it's like ridiculous there's no full backcourts like that shit just drives me nuts you know so i like never played and then when we moved out here it's like liz my wife started taking lessons with this with grant and so i was like keep an eye i need on to go him. see what this guy's all about no but grant, grant grant's <laughs> not like that he's actually he's a degenerate gambler he's not a uh He's not like, yeah, a, yeah, oh, yeah. well, you got to pick not- one. I mean, addiction goes many ways, which you talked about in the intro. I mean, you could, it's gambling, it's why. Michael, don't worry. Be, He's only you know a degenerate I mean? gambler. He's not going to try to fuck me. <laughs> uh, he was, well, no, he was texting I, I me this morning about bets. He's like, we got this bet. Like, I'm putting you in it. I'm like, okay, like, here we go. We're betting on <laughs> golf tournaments. Perfect. Well, you're, that's what I was going to, we were going to make fun of you for your love of golf. Actually, that was my next topic because I, yeah. you're, you have, you have fully pivoted to a golf influencer. <laughs> and I think that is an interesting late career move for you or mid career move for you. Um, but I do think you're a very bright guy. And I, I think that I get the move. I, I feel like it's like no one else was in the space. So you saw a hole and you filled well, it. Unintended, you know, it, Chris. <laughs> That's actually my, you know, that's, that's my, been my MO the whole, my whole life, you know, has been an attempt to see a hole and fill it, you know. Hey, um, let's go. And, <laughs> no, uh, I, I think, you know, golf is, it's, it's optically and in, in every way it's super challenged. It's like the most, you know, ridiculous thing in the world and Trump makes it worse. And, you know, mm. it's like, it's already super bad. And then it's, you know, Trump's playing fucking golf every day while there's like a pandemic on and dude can't even, you know, it's like, that's like symbolic of like every, every degenerate golfer. You know, It, it used to be it's, the gentleman sport. Now the biggest idiot of the, of planet earth does it every day. 
basically. And, and then after and the, I, the Malcolm Glanwell podcast, you know, the environmental impact, that's got to leave a mark on you as well, Michael. It does. It hurts. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate, and you know, anyone that wants to dislike it, that's fine. To me, no, I, I, think, I play golf. I'm not hating. You can hate. I mean, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Like, my short it's not game is a new. my short game. It's a problem for you, dog. You don't want my short game. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been playing. Did you play? Growing I played up? a little bit growing up. I kind of lived next door to a country club, and I would always sneak in there when I was a kid. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like you grew up in Atlanta. It's like a different perspective on golf, right? It's big there. No, it's huge. I played growing up too. It's huge. It's like part of yeah. The it's like a thing. But I, I don't know. To me, like there's a million people that are cool that play golf. You just don't know. Right. Mm. Like it's like the, I would agree. It's with a that. sleeper cell. So I think like, you know, I was just like more open about it. And I was like, look, there's really not. It's not that I want to become a golf influencer. I was just thinking there's nothing in this in the game that's happening that I really can uh, connect with. Yeah. So I was like, if it's not happening, if I feel this way, other people probably feel this way. Mm. No, I, I, I think I honestly think it's smart. I just you don't understand whole- why. I just feel like the way that running became very cool and like overnight it was almost like this thing. And and obviously that has to do with the big companies getting behind it and making good product. I think is where it all stems from. Like, I think if Nike makes enough cool shit, anything will work Mm -hmm. is honestly how I feel. Mm -hmm. Um, Golf. It's still like a Titleist hat with a bent brim. Like why, why has this not like, I know the guys at Wim golf, our friends, I know Malbin golf, but like why, is there not a play, the player Brooks that wore the off white shoes? I know these little mm-hmm. things, but like, what do you think it's going to take to like really push it into a, a cooler or even more like interesting arena? I don't, I, I don't know. I think the problem with golf and is, and maybe tennis to some degree, like tennis, I don't think is much cooler. It's just a court game. I think it's just a little bit of a different thing. Um, Accessibility and, is and, higher. Accessibility is higher. Yeah, it's a little bit more accessible. I mean, tennis and tennis and basketball could be kind of seen as seen as a, a similar sort of thing, right? Like you could play it anywhere; yeah. it doesn't matter where you live. Um, golf is like more um, sort of exclusive or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I, but I think I don't think golf. I think it's too niche. Like I don't think it's ever going to be able to like cross over into mainstream in a relevant way. You know? I don't think we wanted to either. I don't think it. I don't think it yeah. should. You know, it's like cycling in a way. It's like cycling is a very niche sport, but the people that are into it are super into it. Mm-hmm. You know, but then everyone outside's like, it's just a bunch of people wearing lycra. It's weird. Well, cycling's my favorite fat rich guy <laughs> sport. Number one in the fat, like it actually beats golf because it like somehow you can ride a hundred miles every Saturday with your dentist friends and you're still thirty five pounds <laughs> overweight. I don't know. I don't understand well, how. It I, works. I think. I think I the, really, the through really line don't. for all of that is they're both they're both sports that fat rich guy rich white guys play, and they're both sports that involve kind of solitude, time away from other people, I or your your LP, your life partner. Um, so fat whiteies <laughs> who make a lot of money do need that that escape from other people. Now, Michael, are you doing deals on the course? Uh, no, I'm not really. No, that's not really happening. I think if I was like an insurance broker, maybe that would be happening. <laughs> well, I just find, honestly, though, I've found that tennis is a thing that I actually am able to play with people. I mean, Jason and I work together. It doesn't count. But like I've played tennis with people that I didn't know that well. And it was kind of like business. Chris uses t- tennis as a biz dev tool. 
in his arsenal? What? Well, for me, Jason, everything's a biz dev tool, and that's why I'm the leader of this twosome. Uh, but <laughs> that's why he's a uh, rainmaker. I don't exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But now, has has as far as business goes, Michael, I think that um, you know, we, I'm I, I in the intro, I, I obviously gassed up a continuous lean, the OG site, and and the comment section that I truly read like a Bible because it was a, a fucking barbecue in there. Um, and we, you know, in the last couple of weeks on this podcast, we've talked a lot about the newsletter resurgence and the whole thing with that. So I, I'm, you're the perfect person to talk about this, but basically these newsletters are just replacing blogs. I, I don't see any difference. Well, I think the, di- the, I think the big difference in the, in the problem, I mean, look, I didn't publish my site for years, right? So and I think that's why I'm, you know, on episode 100 of, of this podcast, you know, um, or what is it? 60? Is it 74? What is this? 72, yeah. okay. I believe. I, I was hoping for 69, but it didn't work out. Um, A lot of people were vying for that spot, Michael. You have to understand that. That was the, the, the PR people were on us about that one. <laughs> you got to so. get that one to the You should sponsor, talk to your team. You know? Yeah, we, yeah we you can, should talk to your team. We can put you in for next year. I mean, start now. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think I, I, so I wasn't doing my site for a long time. Right. So I think, you know, for me, it was like a little bit of a, you know, I, I was out of the game for a while. Right. And to, the, there is a parallel between newsletters and blogs. I think the problem was sort of at a certain point, social media corrupted the way everyone sort of is on the web. Right. So it's like, yeah. you're not going to websites every morning. You're not sitting at your computer. You're on your phone. So it became you only really read the things that you get out of Twitter or, you know, someone texted you or you see on Instagram or whatever. Right. So it changed the traffic flow. And I think that was like the thing that ultimately killed blogs, because unless you just have this, you know, strong stream of traffic coming to you naturally, directly, then it's hard to make it work. Right. And then display fell apart. There's just all these other reasons. You know, the the good thing about Substack is it's just it's passive. Right. It just comes to you. Um, people treat their email differently than they treat a social scroll or whatever, right? Because, you know, you go on vacation, you come back, you go through all your emails, mm-hmm. you know, or, or generally. I mean, email email definitely feels like a more direct form of communication and just a little more personal, I think. Um, I, I just wonder, uh, does it feel the same to you? Like, does it feel the same as far as, like, creating the actual stuff and writing the stuff? Like, is it is it the same, like, do you get the same feeling from it? I, I, it's, it's better for me, honestly, because I know it's not going out into the wide universe, right? It's, I mean, if I make it private, it's just going to the people that subscribe and then maybe if they forward it, whatever, right? And yeah. then I could feel like, all right, I have, I can be more personal or I don't need to, I don't know, it, I, because they're paying for it, I don't have to play any of the games that I maybe would think. What's, what's, what's the, what's the continuous lean fee looking like? I, Hit us with the it's numbers. too high. It's it's. I mean, that's, Chris, I think there's a it's a tiered system. You understand? How much? It's like a. You could pay seven dollars a month. You could pay sixty eight dollars a year. You could pay more if you want, right? All right. So I so I pull out I pull out the fucking I pull out the credit union card and I give Michael Williams sixty seven dollars. What am I getting? How many dispatches from Brentwood am I receiving? <laughs> um. You know, I'm I'm saying I'm gonna publish twice a week, right? Um, I publish okay. a little bit more, and I never said I was gonna do a podcast, and I just sort of put the podcast in the newsletter. I'm not really doing a podcast otherwise. Like I'm not, 
I'm not like building a separate property and there's no sort of end end game with that. It's more of, you know, if I, if I feel like there are certain conversations that would be more interesting done that way. And it goes into the yeah. newsletter very cleanly. So, you know, Mickey Drexler is a great example. That motherfucker loves to talk on the phone. Oh yeah. I, he loves Mickey. Mickey Drexler loves a blind <laughs> phone call. You know, it's, it's very old school. I love it. I, I love it. But I think, but he's a great guy to have like for you to talk to on a podcast. That's a great example of like, how that should work. You just you. can't it's, interview it's like an add on. I mean, no, you can't. I, I, I we could like do it, but I'd have to like be there with him and then spend a lot of time and whatever. Um, you know, he blind called me yesterday after that came out and was like, and then he's like talking to me about Palm Springs and all this other stuff. It's funny. He's like, what do you think about? He yeah. He's like into all the details, but you know, so, but I think you do have, I think you have, you know, I, I consider you to have an important voice and I always love the site and I love talking. I mean, we're, you know, I love talking to you about this stuff. So I think it's, it's, something people will be willing to pay for. Um, but do you think, do you think you can, let's say the world inches back to normal and the docket is, is more full for you. I mean, not that work isn't busy, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like life will intervene in a way. Do you think that the cadence is, is, uh, doable for you? Is it, is it, is it enough? I mean, um, or is it too the much? The cadence is, is half of the reason I'm doing it because it's more liberating to publish twice a week than it is to have, an unlimited vessel that can consume as much story or writing or content or whatever in, mm -hmm. that I put into it, which is the blog. Yeah. And the pressure of that becomes, you know, tremendous, right? Where you're like, I should be writing something every day. You know, right now I'm like, I publish something and then I have four days to work on the next thing, you know, or I'm working on ideas way in advance because I know I have like a fixed schedule and I've honestly never been busier in my life. Right. You know, I'm like starting in two new companies I'm, I have two kids under three and, you know, it's like I'm doing, I'm tr doing the newsletter and doing all this other stuff. So for me, it's better because the more I move, like the more active I become, right? Like the, mm -hmm. the more. Yeah. Same. Actually, yeah, I think I we experienced the same exact thing with doing our podcast three times a week of having that, you know, those, those, that cadence of just the, the flywheel of productivity where it's the perfect amount of downtime and off time to where it never gets old and it never gets hard either. I mean, if you guys didn't have yeah, time right. between to go do other things or play tennis or whatever and, and, you know, use that time to think, I think a lot of people overlook the aspect of thinking about things mm -hmm. and how. Yes, yes, right? I agree. Yeah. Some might say I do that on Twitter. I would disagree, <laughs> but I know. What, what time of the day is, is your thinking time when you have two children underneath under three? At night, you know, I, I'm all, I've always been like a work at night type of person. I didn't You're know that. Midnight about you, toker, Michael? <laughs> Yeah, I'm a morning guy. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a morning guy. After after yeah. dinner time, We're brain go bye-bye. <laughs> Jason and I text. Jason and I start texting at 6 a.m., like multiple days a week. Wow. Yeah. He's, We're really in our I, uh, I've shit. disabled you know the saying? alarm on my phone because I always get <laughs> a, a, a a message from Chris Black that has a you know an Instagram link to a shirt uh, to wake me up every day. Exactly. It's a, free, it's a service I provide for free. I should add that to Substack, actually. I think that'd be a good mm -hmm. idea. Um, Wait, Chris, so how so do you, you, I want to ask about your Twitter. Can I ask you a question? I guess. We'll, Michael, we'll I, would, I would encourage you to ask multiple questions about his Twitter, please. <laughs> I mean, how much work and time does it take to actually do that? I mean, is it just like this, you know, do you just, is it like a little quip here and there and you just off the cuff just do it? Or it's like you think about it. Like, you know, I feel like Lawrence Schlossman puts a lot of work into his Twitter, right? 
I, I, it's completely off. That's why I'm, I think I'm able to do it so much is I just do it when I want to do it. Yeah. But I'm online, you know, my screen time is record breaking. So therefore I'm seeing <laughs> all the stuff. When, when you see all the stuff and you, you you have a compulsion to comment and then the app is just right there. Um, mm. but I mean, if we're, you know, if, if it's, I, I actually, I can't think of spending any time on it. Like I find an image or I think of something and I do it immediately. I don't really think it through. I've only Shows. gotten killed a few times. What have you gotten killed? You on? know what I mean? Can you talk about it? <laughs> I'm trying to think. It's bullshit. It'll be it, it'll be about like a celebrity. Like you have to like take out a word of Taylor Swift's name or you're going to get ruined. <laughs> no. um, what did I do? Something recently I did and I got it was like days. I had to I had to silence the I had to silence it. You had to like, turn the noties off. Turn off notification. I had to turn the noties off on the tweet because I went back and I had, you know, 3,000 likes and a bunch of comments. But it was something stupid. It'd be like, I made fun of Taylor Swift's cardigan. You know, I'm, my life is over for two weeks, you know. But I don't think that, I don't think that's the thing. I don't think, whereas a, a website or, um, you know, obviously a, a magazine or a book or a, a newsletter, those to me are, are things that should be thought out and a lot of effort should be put in. I think Twitter is the exact opposite of that. And I think that's why I like it so much. And that exercise is a part of my brain that the other stuff I do that I take more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, but they have to ha- have each other. kind of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Without um, the long form, all, you don't have, have the short form and vice versa. Exactly. Exactly. Jason. Exactly. Without, without a crazy forehand, my net game is nothing. You know, and, I thought you said neck game. But I don't – my neck game is also nothing. Uh, but I, I do think that I, – I do think that the the era of the newsletter is making me miss the era of the blog. Like I'm a person who still goes to websites and types them into my fucking search, my URL bar. And he on only my, uses you know, his window. two index fingers to do it. <laughs> exactly. That's true. I, I peck away like a, like a granny. But I, I don't um, – I think that is the, all this thinking and talking about newsletters just made me miss that more. And I feel like the one thing that cannot be replicated and the people are trying to do it is like a community aspect of it all. And like the community aspect of like an ACL, even though it was mostly dudes making fun of each other in a comment section, it, it still was something and it was all housed under that one in one place. Now, if you have a newsletter and you have a community, it has to be on Discord or Slack or some other dorky shit to get all those people together in one place. And that is the difference I think people are not totally thinking about right yeah. now and how the importance of that. You know, so um, I listened to Dan from New Consumer uh, on the podcast yeah. a couple of weeks ago uh, or a week ago. And uh, and then I had a call with him. And it's funny because I, I just had a call set up and then I listened to him on your podcast and um, – he answered a lot of what I was thinking about with the newsletter stuff too. And he was like, I don't want to do a, you know, I don't want to quote him or whatever, but like, you know, he was, he wasn't, he wasn't super interested in doing the Slack channel or whatever. Um, and, and I just sort of got into the blammo Slack channel. Right. And I, and I walked in and I was, I was kind of like, Holy shit, what, what is going on in here? Like this, this is why I don't do this, you know, get me out of here. I mean that, that's it. Just all seems a little dorky. I think. But I think it's it's a combination of it is dorky and also necessary. we're just old. We're just older compared to yeah, everyone yeah. who's like like Discord and Slack for people in their twenties and below. It's just normal. It's just how that's how you talk, and yeah. and we don't like it. It's because the way they FaceTime with no warning. 
It's the way that a teen would FaceTime with no warning. Or it's, it's the way that you still uh-huh. want a, you want cable at your house and you want to scroll your channels and nobody under yeah. you know no, nobody in their twenties and below wants to do that. It's all you 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 type into your remote control and the show that you want to watch comes up. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 true, but I, I don't. I mean. I just think it's interesting. It, I don't know. Something about it to me, like charging for community is a very strange thing in my mind, but I also just think that's where we're at. And it's not, it's not actually strange. It's something that I need to get over the stigma of that I've created in my own mind. That I is mean, true. I, I think look, we just figured it out, Chris. <laughs> yeah, you worked through it. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. That's what we do here on, the, on How Long Gone. <laughs> I think that, I think the I, way yeah. people look at the subscriptions, and I'm not saying this because I've got, you know, I feel like I could charge a subscription fee because I'm a known quantity, right? To the people that care. The, the, You've been in the game too long, baby. You've been in the game too long. <laughs> I'm too, I'm proven. No, I, I, I just think, you know, I can do it that way. It's not going to be for everyone. It's a very niche thing, which is fine. But the way people look at subscription money, I think, is, is a little fucked up. Like, I just think, like, I spend two grand a year on content. Like, I don't care where it comes from, you know? And if it's, like, mm-hmm. twice a week in a newsletter that, I that you know, it has to really be appealing to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a parallel between... I see the, what you're saying. So you're saying you think you think about these subscriptions the same way you think about Netflix or Hulu or YouTube or whatever else you're paying for as far as entertainment subscriptions I go. think, no, I think about it not against that, right? Like, I think about 68 bucks to get a newsletter twice a week, like a dinner out. You know, where I'm yeah. like, look, I can go eat that dinner. I enjoyed it. That's it. It's over. You know, where are you going to dinner where it's only $68? I need to go. I need to come to Brentwood. I, I thought I yeah, would. Yeah, I'm eating by myself, you know, crying <laughs> in, in, at the tacos. Yeah, but the taco whenever, whenever I see a the- newsletter that, you know, you have to spend 68 or $200 a year to read, it just makes me think of the 10 newsletters I currently read that are free and like how much better are these going to be compared to this one that seems to have everything I need? Like, like like Chris like pub, public announcement you know yeah but I you know our newsletter and what how we do it and I it just again it goes back to Jay and I's both like web 1.0 love and it's like mostly links with some editorializing I think that for us to charge we would need to go deeper on mm-hmm. personally and that's what actually people are paying for like my our our the public announcement edit of the of the the worldwide web is valuable to some people. I don't know if it's valuable enough to pay for it. Yeah. I think, I think people want, you know, going back to your, your thought about community too. I think people want to know that they're supporting something and be a part of something mm-hmm. yeah. more than they want to like derive maximum value out of their inbox. You know, mm. it's and my, the thing I always say is like, it's like MoMA. Like I go to MoMA. I'm not trying to sneak in for free on some reciprocal pass. I just pay for the membership. Yeah. I probably will only go once a year and it's not, you know, I do the same. It's like I feel like a patron of the arts for a hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. Why don't I feel like that about about a newsletter? You, know? you, you haven't just, found you haven't found your MoMA of newsletters yet, Chris. I, I pay for Blackbird Spy Plane and I pay for Airmail, the greatest newsletter. <laughs> uh, some would say it's a website, but I say it's a newsletter. Some would say it's a um, child sex trafficking ring. Uh, look, Jason, Jason, sorry, Michael, Jason's a member of QAnon. So we have to, we have, that's part of the problem Hello. with this podcast. Yeah, we're getting, hey, we got, I have to plug my computer in. We hold yeah. on one second. Sorry. Amateur hour. It, it's because Michael took so long to get ready. It, do not, do not place blame, Chris. I'll accept the blame. We'll do a clap. Do you want me to clap? Sure. 
Thank you. It's always something with this guy, Chris. I'm sure you already know that from dealing with him over the years. Oh, yeah. I know. Okay, guys. Hey, sorry about that. We're back. You want me to clap? Make it clap. (laughs) Okay. I mean, so Blackbird Spy Plane, um, you know, I I read that, too, and I, I... oftentimes wonder what the hell is going on um and it that's 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 part of the reason i like it is because it's so voicey mm-hmm. and i'm not getting anything like that yeah. chris what do you else. mean by voice i think that it's it's just it's so personality driven like he'll have people that i personally mm-hmm. know on and talk to them in a way that i think actually disarms them and gets interesting answers love that and I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's like he had Taka from Valence on today, who's a longtime client of mine, who I know mm-hmm. really well. And like, it was really fun to read that with a person I know. Mm-hmm. It was interesting and like felt fresh mm-hmm. in a way. Um, but I imagine, Michael, that that's kind of how people thought about something like four pins. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's time. It's like, what the fuck? This, this thing has its own language. Mm-hmm. Um, which that's I how you think build community. That is. Exactly. That's what I mean. I think they, and, and even with a podcast, I mean, I think there's words that we probably say in like a vernacular we use and kind of like repeating phrases and things that Jason and I both say naturally to become part of like the brand of the show for lack of a better term. And there are, there's a community of people out there who would be willing to pay $5 a month to learn even more terrible words and phrases and slang to use from us. Exactly. And, and, you know, we're anti-Patreon on this podcast because we're not digital panhandlers, <laughs> but I, I, if, you know, I do. If you had a way to monetize it in a way that made, that felt better, would you do it? We are. We have fucking ads for bad brands. It's <laughs> that's, that's what podcast is built on. That's the thing is that I think that I'm, that is something that Jason and I probably are, are both stuck in our ways about that may be negative. Like, I just, I don't want people to know how much money I'm making from this. You know what I mean? I I don't, I want to do it the traditional way. I I don't, it doesn't interest me to like have my, my monthly income on a website for people to see. It seems insane. That that seems really weird. I think they turned that function off actually now, or you have the option to. Oh, Oh. thankfully. But yeah, I agree. Multiple people have texted, multiple people have texted me about, um, you know, for about, sorry. Um, throwing fits like the, you know they're like these guys are making x amount you know it's good you should we only we refer to that as failing fits on the show uh just just for going forward we'll have to bleep that one out but moving forward <laughs> i want it, I, not, I, mean, I do a patreon for you know failing fits there you go um i i do it for when you know just a version with lawrence and no james I'd fucking pay extra. Wow, interesting take. Yeah. I think people would do that for this podcast. Same thing. All Chris, no Jason. I think that would be a very profitable <laughs> business for me. Um, Jason. If, if, if Chris could figure out how to make a podcast, you would, that would be great for you. <laughs> I could find somebody to pay $30 an episode to put this all together. Now I'm having to split it. Do not, do, do not bring Harry up. <laughs> but I do think that, um, I, I think that what they've done is, is super interesting. I think like that's, I just don't know what I'm truly not fearful of, but interested in is like people like that used to contribute to, to real publications being like, why would I do that? I'm just going to do it for my newsletter. Cause it makes more money. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I still want not the clout necessarily, but I want that stamp of approval from GQ and Vanity Fair and New York magazine. That still matters to yeah. me. 
No, I think that makes sense. Well, I, you that know, makes I, you a boomer, I Chris. For, yeah, I think it does that, make me a boomer. I think that's true too. I, I think honestly, like they would have all those, and I'm not dissing any of those publications. I think what they do is good, but I think the whole media landscape has become very muddied in the sense of you can't tell what's fucking real and what's like the affiliate driver or what's, you yeah. know, what's like the fucking astroturfed PR friend or what's, you know, this is like I've spent my whole career working in this shit where you're like, is this real? Or is, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times I would look at stuff. I'm like, Oh, so-and-so, you know, Chris is friends with Taka or who works with them. That's why this shit's in there. Yeah. Not that you do that, which I'm sure you, you actually do do that. Uh, Michael, <laughs> I would never do that. I'm an ethical person <laughs> and also an ethical journalist. And for you to say that on my fucking podcast <laughs> is actually insane. Okay. Um, As Chris said Jason, earlier, everything is a biz dev defense, Jason. <laughs> Jason, God damn it. Uh, no, I, I actually, on the strategist, I would disclose that yeah. because, like, I think that's fine because I don't think anybody really cares. But I think, you know, Michael, with communications and press in general, it's like part of that, the, the, the relationships that we build are, like, the idea is that Michael's not going to send me any garbage or Chris isn't going to send me any garbage. Yeah. Like, what I get from Chris is vetted through Chris, and that's part of the reason I'm opening the email with a yeah, text. Yeah, totally. Um, but I, I, I know what you mean. You're saying the landscape has become so muddy that we don't know what's an affiliate link and what's real opinion. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I'm saying like, I'd rather just pay for stuff, which I think is where everyone's going because advertising is falling apart. Right. So I'd rather just pay for, you know, my, I'd rather just pay a premium for GQ content or any, you know, any publication that gives me like unfiltered pure mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Here's yeah. Here's the actual journalism, actual in- information not payola stuff or or brand placement or anything and you know you, you anyway, know when you read when you read a, uh, when you read the print magazine though you know it's real like that's why print still is important do you i don't know i think yeah I don't, they're not playing affiliate games you know no they're not playing affiliate games but it doesn't i mean i think that the general public now understands like a press trip and oh, all yeah. that you know to put, which is like i don't that that to me is not an ethical thing that's more of like an experience thing you know what i mean but uh, what is what magazines do you subscribe to in in nine zero two one zero nine nine double zero four nine? I don't. I subscribe to like I do subscribe to GQ. I subscribe to um, like a couple other like honestly before it got sold, I actually read Sports Illustrated in the magazine. Um, now talk about Boomer. You and my sixty five year old father, lifetime subscriber. 30-year cool. subscriber of Sports Illustrated. You know Horatio Silva? Do you know him from uh, New York yeah. Times? Or used to be at the New York Times? But So Horatio like is the biggest tennis fanatic in the world. And um, and he always read – he always had Sports Illustrated at his house. And I was like, it's kind of interesting that he read it. And that's kind of where I I, I sort of re-picked it back wow. up. And um, Which is like from this like fashion journalist, like you know, very gay guy – that you just like wouldn't expect it, right? Or maybe like that's a bad take. Um, but you know, I was like surprised to see. No, it. I wouldn't expect. I mean, I would expect my sixty-five-year-old father, accountant who reads the Wall Street Journal and the and Sports Illustrated. Those are his two things that he reads the most. Like that's what I would expect. But you don't. So, but do you do you buy specialty magazines? Like, do you care the way I do? Are you going to spend forty dollars on uh, Arena I mean, Home Plus? The the we definitely overlap on Racket. I love Racket. Yeah, um, and she, you know, friend of the show. It's real. It's it's no bullshit like that, and it's beautiful and it's cool. And then honestly, there's like a few like indie golf magazines that I like. Um, I was going to ask you about that. Are there? Because we just heard about one on a call before this podcast about coffee that looked all like similar to racket. It was really beautiful. It was called Sport. What was it called, Jason? 
sport. I've already forgotten. But it looked, I looked at the Instagram, I was like, damn, this is really nice. And I'd never heard of it before, which I, of course, you know. The same way technology has made it so we can, you know, create products, videos, audio. We can can also create magazines pretty easily. It's called Standart. Standart. And it's, 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 yeah, it's about coffee. And like, I don't care about coffee that much, but like, it's beautiful. I would probably buy it. So you're buying Racket. What else? Um, There's this, this, they did a Kickstarter. I think it's like a, twice annually like beautiful heavy paper stock magazine large format called catalog 18 it's like this golf thing yes it's so pretty and 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 nice and it's like super heavy it's like a book you just want to own it and kickstarter the original digital <laughs> panhandling platform let's give them the respect they deserve <laughs> there's another one called mckeller magazine it's like golf it's like the they're sort of trying to be the new yorker of golf um, and it's it's pretty interesting. They have good voices in there. There's a couple like that. So do those? Do either of those titles like compare to Racket in the similar way that Racket talks about tennis in kind of like a timeless cultural way versus like news and new, new, new? Um, yeah, they, McKellar is like I, I don't. They're kind of if you mix those two things together, maybe they would be sort of on the level of Racket because I think Racket can be more visual. Um, it's not yeah. just thought provoking you know, sort of around tennis, but, um, McKellar is like very thought provoking. It's not as like image driven and catalog 18 is like very visual. Um, and, but I think racket is sort of, they have like a better cultural place. Uh, it's the visual aspect of it is good. The way they do brand integrations, you know, is nice. Um, I respect that. I think it's hard to, you know, it's like what you guys were saying about the advertisers on the podcast. It's hard to find the balance and it's a lot of work to find the right balance of, you know, a good commercial engagement with a media property. Mm-hmm. And when I mean, yes, it is. And I would say with podcasts, what is interesting about this media more than others is that, like, I would say us joke, like making fun of the advertiser is the only way that it works. <laughs> right. And that's like what makes ads interesting is that it's like. And that's what you're, you know, what your listener wants to hear. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they don't want to hear us read a straight ad about vitamins. Like that's fucking boring. Like I want you to enjoy the ads the way you're enjoying the podcast. And I don't think there's any other medium that's really like that. Where like the, the actual creator is allowed to have these freedoms with the con, like, you know. Yeah. Even on YouTube, when, when, on, when they do an ad read on a YouTube show, they make it their own, but it still kind of has that you know, stick to the script energy that podcasting has been able to transcend. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, and that, I love doing the ads. Like it's fun, you know, but, I, but I, I mean, think about it too, with like Malcolm Gladwell's with revisionist history, which I think is just one of the most, you know, one of the most enjoyable podcasts. Are you, a, are you a Gladwell? Head? I'm not, I actually like, you a gladdy probably, daddy? <laughs> I should dislike, <laughs> I should dislike Gladwell, but I, I, I think he's interesting. In certain ways. Well, Michael, I consider you a magical thinker, so I get it. <laughs> Did you hear the story that um, Gladwell's dad was Kamala Harris's father's college advisor? That's so. Or he I mean, like he told him course, to go to Stanford, basically. Of course, though, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like I don't. The world's fascination with Gladwell is not for me, but I also am a skeptic of anything like that to the point where it's probably harmful to me. <laughs> I, I was like, a lot more into him I before I learned stuff about him. Like that he's just a nerd? Just maybe before I learned what he looked like, not to be superficial. Yeah. 
I hate when you're superficial. What episode are you talking? What, what episode are you talking about? Was there specific oh one? about revisionist history? No, yeah. I was saying like actually like in relation to what we were talking about with ads. You know, even Malcolm and like has to do these reads and does ads and. Even he, you know, he's like trying to go further with like whoever, you know, is the sponsor, Bank of America or whoever, whatever giant company it is. <laughs> Damn, must be nice. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, like, even then it's like, it feels weird to me. It's like, this is weird and commercial and he has to do these ads. Like, isn't there an easier way for him to just. Yeah, I, you know, I, he, he, nowadays he'll do like a immersive 10 episode podcast about Lexuses, Lexi. And you're like, uh, do, yeah, do, yeah. do I really want to hear my, Malcolm Gladwell do ten hours on on the Lexus? But that's spirit? the thing. I but mean, he I used to do with... a pod, or he used to do an ad read that bugged the fuck out of me with him and Rick Rubin doing an ad read for Allbirds shoes. And oh, I and, I, and I, was, I would listen. I'm like, Rick Rubin is a multi multi millionaire, you know, and and he's literally doing an Allbirds ad. Like, how much money is Rick Rubin getting for that? Four grand. I. <laughs> I think there's more to it, Jason. Probably a long-term partnership. We'll have the Rick Rubin Allbirds collaboration coming soon. I mean, that's um, a, it's a three sixty deal. I don't, I don't, I don't like Rick Rubin anymore deal. after I hear him do an ad, and I don't like Malcolm Gladwell for making Rick Rubin do an Allbirds ad. <laughs> the other thing with ads on podcasts that I think is interesting is that I look at it, and this is the same way I look at influencers on Instagram. I kind of love it. Like when we started getting like dick pill ads and shit like that people were like texting me like you made it like your kid like <laughs> they like that because that's what pod- that legitimizes like yourself as an actual podcast you're not a real show yeah, unless you're shilling when, when see- blue chew or dick pills or, or something <laughs> when i see influencers like posting like big shit with like car companies i'm like this is fire this just means you're real it's like i don't i don't look at it as like a negative i'm like this means you're successful at what you're doing which is a bad um, thing Totally. But I'm a capitalist, baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you also love the 90s where selling out is the absolute worst thing that you could ever do. (laughs) I I actually think selling out hasn't existed in so long. I forgot what it meant. You know, I I don't. What's the point of living then? You've done done some sponsored content on on Instagram right now. I regrettably have, yes. Like you actually regret it or you regret it because you think I'm going to make fun of you? Oh, no, I don't care. I mean, I, if I, dude, <laughs> I mean, you no, can I make fun of me for doing any. I, I never did anything I don't think that was egregious, but, you know, any of that stuff like. Get your bag, I, I never. What's that? Get that Jaguar bag. bag. That's what I mean. It's, yeah, like I, I imagine, though, because of the level of, of sight and the brand itself, like I feel like you probably weren't getting garbage offers. No, I mean, I would, I was, I was kind of a dick about, you know, what I wanted to do. And I, I would just try. <laughs> Look, I regret do doing I, do the Coles ad, okay? <laughs> <laughs> do, do I come off as a dick? Is that why you said that? No, no, not at all. But I mean, you doing a Cadillac ad on, on the grid is cool, in my opinion. But you're saying you, you regret some of it? I mean, I just, I, I never like felt really good about it. Um, I don't know. It's like a means to an end. I think it's, that's, you know, going back to the newsletter thing, it's like a very straightforward relationship. It's like you either, you want it and you pay for it. And, you know, I don't have to play any games versus like me getting money from Oreo to post something, mm. you know, and to just be in your feed, you know, <laughs> where you you don't necessarily want Yeah. It. You kind of have to be a I, sociopath to actually like doing that stuff. Like, I'm sure LeBron James hates doing ads for, even for his own company or his own shoe, you know, let alone a, a product he doesn't believe in. 
I think it's, you know, at one point you could have that, like, we're rappers, we do anything, we're commercial. Like, I think that there's something wonderful about that if you don't care and you're open to it, right? Um, I always wanted to be, I don't know, I, I maybe wanted to be too precious about it. So I think it was harder for me to feel good about a lot of it. But there were certain things like I did with Cadillac that actually felt really nice. And I had a good partnership with them and they were cool. And it was, you know, it was fun. And I, and I believed, you know, in what we were doing. So it didn't feel like that weird, yeah. you know? So, so speaking work wise, like, you know, are, are, how have your clients handled this, this whole, the pandemic and have people, have people made it out or has it been, has it been a bloodbath? We have some clients. So one thing is I sold my share in Paul and Williams to my partner. Um, so I'm out of, I'm out of oh, that Oh business. my God. Are we... So we're Michael Williams. It goes into your back on Sub Pop after Epic. <laughs> you just you did three records of Epic. You're like, this deal doesn't work for me. I'm ready to go indie again. I want to take back my career. <laughs> I love to hear this. Yeah, you know, I I can't have Rick Rubin producing my records anymore. Now you know, now that he <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I, so what are you doing now? Same thing, new new approach. Yeah. So I basically my clients that I was working with, I left with them too. Um, so mm. you know, I have so I have some clients like Tracksmith that their business is doing really well. Um, and yeah. because they're just in the, you know, it's like they're doing the right thing in the right place with what's happening with outside sports and all that other shit. Um, and then I have other clients that, you know, are sort of more retail focused and it's harder for them. I think it's, you know, a lot, a lot of the stuff I work on though is like a little bit sort of higher end. So I think it, you know, I think the way that the pandemic is sort of hurting people differently in America is sort of playing into what I'm doing because I'm mostly working for brands that sell to people that generally have money. And I think they're less affected by this. So it's been, my business is, is fine. It's been, it's been okay. So that's good. I mean, I, I'm busier than I ever have been. I've heard that from a lot of people. Um, but I think that's always, you know, that's kind of how it always goes. It's it's, how it goes when you work in the luxury market, fellas. (laughs) I'm, I'm happy that I'm in LA and now it's like, because of the pandemic, no one expects me to be in New York. No one expects me to have an office. It's great. You know, I'm like, finally, this is like, you know, it's aligned with what I want. Yo, Cali, Cali is good vibes only, Michael. I think you've learned that, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. What do you think about the move? Are you feeling, are you feeling Cali life? Or are you like, why did I not come here 10 years I, ago? I think it, I came at the right moment. Um, I want to ask you about that too, Chris. Um, I, I like uh, it. You know, I think it's, I think it's good for me. I don't think it's probably good for everyone. Um, I wouldn't want to be here in my twenties probably. Yeah. Same driving drunk sucks. <laughs> um, I think that, uh, I mean, I love California. There's nowhere I'd rather be right now. It's perfect for my lifestyle. I mean, I think that like, but you miss the I'm energy of too- New York if it was normal. Of course. But I think that what I'm hearing from New York is people either having the time of their lives because they're, partying and you can just like be in the street, do whatever the fuck you want. Or they're like, I haven't been there in six months. I don't know what's going on. Those are the only two responses. So, I mean, I will absolutely go back, um, but I'm in no rush. Let me say that. What do you think about just LA in general? Right. And you spent, you love it. You spend a lot of time. You seem conflicted about it. it. Like you don't want you. I'm very conflicted about it. We talk about it all the time. I, I don't, I don't know what it is about. I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind driving. I love being out playing tennis and I can work out outside. I have a pool right now. I mean, there's no reason for me not to like it. I, I think it's truly a mental, cause I'm not one of those like 
New York strong. New York makes me tougher, like dumbasses. Um, he's 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 a New York makes me cooler, a, dumbass. Not a strong. Exactly. Much like much like sobriety, I think living in New York gives you this superiority complex that I know is a problem, but I cannot shake. Yeah. Frankly, it's all you've got. It is exactly exactly until I get that. Six well, Chris, pack, maybe that's all I have. maybe we need to have some type of uh, ayahuasca ceremony or something for you to finally release whatever is blocking you and love the Cali vibes. I mean, it's not about not loving the Cali vibes. I think it's but it's there about, is a blockage, like, Chris. But my, I mean, I'm just an East Coast guy, bro, and that's what I've always been. So I think that change is just a lot, mm-hmm. you know. But Michael, did you settle in or was there a learning curve? No, I think, well, it was hard for me because I I learned a lot about New Yorkers and myself in the the process of being away for a certain amount of time. And I started to actually recognize things in New Yorkers that I don't like and that I never saw before. Right. And not, and it's, it's a choice. So it's like, whatever you want to do that makes you happy, I don't care. But I wasn't into it. Like if you go to Europe and you see people from New York, they're always dressed like a certain way. And you're kind of like, totally. and, and I, I think it's like ridiculous because they just, you know, it's like they've never been in the sun, right? So they're just like have their straw hat and look silly. Um, mm. And, you know, I, ju- I just think like there's a lot of stuff I saw that I was like, you know, there's things happening in New York that I would probably do that I don't want to do anymore. Um, but but it took me four <laughs> years to, to figure out like, you know, come to terms with living in California. It was hard, like the, you know, the just waking up and so much stuff has already happened, you know, yeah. but in a, at a point, you know, I felt like it was liberating because, you know, if I'd wake up and then I wouldn't have to stress because if the world was going to end, it would have already ended by the time I woke up, you know? So like, Whoa, I never thought of Cali life like that, but it makes a lot of sense. That's a good way to think of it. That's a very good way. To think That's it. why so I, I haven't all- moved to New Zealand. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to be on the front lines of that. And, and you know, while, while we have you, you know, Jason's a big uh, chef, home cook, if you will. Ar- arguably the best in my life, actually. And I know you're a big green egg aficionado. Do you also have a pizza oven outside? <laughs> no, I just I cook, I, I cook pizza on the green, in the green egg. Let's go. Damn, Jason, what you say? I've, what, I've, what say I've, you, I've have had big green pizza, and it is, it is delicious. It's, it's a great way to cook some pie. Um, but I, I was looking on your, on your Substack. you recently did a post about cooking. It unfortunately was behind the paywall. So could you tell me, what, <laughs> could you tell me what that article was about, please? Yeah. Can you give it away for free on this podcast that people listen to for free by choice? Give me a uh, Venmo me five bucks and I'll tell you about yeah, it. I'll start talking. Let me get a little taste, loser, baby. Come start- on. I don't need the, I don't need all 1500. <laughs> let me get a bite, Michael. Let me, let me get me a hold bite. Eight, eight. 800 out of the 1500 words. <laughs> I I was I put all my golf stuff behind the paywall to save myself the public embarrassment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um very smart. You're a businessman. I like that about you. Um I have a whole separate golf vertical that no one knows that I don't cross promote, you know. So there there it is. Ooh. Um I, I I was like doing a thing about smash burgers, right? But I I I think the egg is good to you can do a lot with, but it's also pretty it's kind of a cumbersome piece of machinery. Like a lot of times I just cook on a Weber because it's, mm-hmm. it's just easier, you know? My question is, who is going to be the first to powder coat the green eggs custom? I'm sure it's already been done. Because that would be a hot fire. Well, there's, a, there's all those other that, – that, you know, I think if Hrannik could get Weber to do something with him, that would probably be his ultimate, you know, 
I think the Green Egg, because I grew up with it. My granddad was a big Green Egg. It's like a big Georgia so thing, I feel like. I feel like they're based in Georgia. Yeah, it's a big Georgia thing. But If you're friend, rich and you're white, you play golf one. and you egg. That's right. There's, there's, that's the, that's the, I, that's a, not even a trifecta. That's four. Um, I thought you had the P, I thought you had cocked one of those real Brentwood ass outdoor pizza ovens, which I was very excited about. Oh, the, the Uni or the, um, Rockbox, those things. Yeah. I never bought one because, well, the Uni, it's, it's O O N I. Um, they're, yeah. they're not that bad. They're like 375. Mm-hmm. Um, I very, did you use that? Have you tried one? Oh, uh, no, only the Rockbox. What was your Rockbox review? Hot fire, literally. How much? I think there are How six, much? Six hundred. Damn. Do you have a pool? Yeah, Michael? we have a pool. <clears throat> and you haven't invited Jason and I over for a fucking barbecue yet. We're not. We're not. Yeah, let us spread to those kids, show. baby. Come on. <laughs> you have yeah, to, you have like, to, we got to build this. You have to come into our bubble. Start you have to live in our yoga studio for start two weeks, here. and then you can come into our bubble. You have a yoga studio. Yeah, we have a we have a Peloton Pilates reformer. What the? Yeah. Damn. And and look at me. I'm the least in shape person you'll ever fucking see. Damn, that's the biggest. Damn, Jason, we got to go to Brentwood one of these days. Jason, we'll cook outside. You guys can just, we'll eat in shifts. <laughs> Mike, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on uh, what you wrote about Smash Burgers specifically. Oh, um, you know, I, I just like um, the diner style cheeseburger, right? Mm-hmm. Like the thin patty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't like the thick patty cheeseburger. And, and so we bought this house. It had a like a really nice wolf range. Mm-hmm. And it has a griddle, right? Like a grill. Jason has the same setup, don't you? I Jason? do have the same setup. It smokes the shit out of our so house, though, you... so I don't use it very much. Do you have a, do you have a hood? So I, yeah, I'm... we have a hood. Is it the one where the, the griddle's on the right and then the, the grill is on the left? Oh, no, it's – yeah, so we have – um. Just burners, two burners on the left, griddle, and then four burners on the right. Oh. And it has it has two oven zones. It's pretty crazy. I never turned on my oven the whole time I lived in New York. Never once. Sure. Like It was know, full no, of Timberlands. No. Why would you? <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. I mean, so, wow, you guys are both rich. That's so interesting. You guys have these crazy ovens. I, I don't I, – you know, sorry, listeners. I don't have any of this cool So do you go, do you go cast you know iron I mean? for your smash burger then? No, so I cook it on that griddle, mm-hmm. um, um, and it's you know I just, I think the key to that is just you know parchment paper, right? So you want to smash it mm-hmm. with a with parchment paper on top of it, mm-hmm. and then it you know then it it's just like it cooks really quick. It comes off the whatever you smash it with easily. Mm-hmm. But so the you know what I've done with going back to the pizza thing and the egg, I mostly cook pizza in a cast iron skillet in the oven because it's just so much easier. Mm-hmm. So. Like a lot of times I'll just, I'll heat the pan up, I'll put olive oil in the pan and then I'll stretch the dough in the, in the pan and let it bubble a little bit and then I'll top it and then I'll put it in the oven, get the oven just as hot as you can get it. Mm -hmm. And usually like the key to that is like put the pan in there so it gets really hot and then. So so you're shaping the raw dough on a, on a smoking hot cast iron pan. Yeah. And then you cook it and it. Absolutely mental. (laughs) <laughs> it works it works really well and it's super easy and and it's like the least cleanup it's just like mm-hmm. the easiest thing to do i gotta get you a detroit style cast iron rectangular pizza cooking pan available on amazon i need that i've had it and it's, it's good. like blue steel right isn't that what they call it that's right yeah blue steel. are you from detroit damn uh i'm from orange Hell county no. bro 
The Detroit of LA. <laughs> yeah, we have a Hyundai Hyundai plant there. That's in, that, that is manufacturing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, shit. and we right, wear well. what? What is the watch company? Yeah, we. It's the highest amount of Shinolas oh. per capita is in Orange County. <laughs> is Shinola out of business yet? I think their business is doing really well. I think well, yeah, actually. I think they're killing it. What? It's a good with watches with watches and 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 record players. I, I mean, the, I think the watches are, you know, first of all, there's, I don't know what, the, what their business really looks like and how much money they've raised and whatever, what they've spent. But, you know, yeah. there's so much margin in watches that you can really like just, you have so much flexibility with marketing, right? And I think, yeah, I think they're true. positioned really well. If you look at, I think the Apple Watch is probably bad for them. But if you look at like 500 to $1,000, there's not much there. Mm-hmm. And, that's because that's a. I say this all the time. That is a pointless price range. I either want the bust down Audemars or I don't. Or I want a swatch. <laughs> like who spends the seven hundred dollars on a watch? It's such a fake. A lot category. of people. But, I think, but there I, are a lot of people. Yeah, I think a lot of people reach up to that, you know, and like th- no, that's totally. Like I, I'm kidding. I get it or whatever, which is fine. But I'm when not- that all came out, I was just like, I don't wear watches. I don't really care. But I've bought a few in my life, and I'm just like it. It. I don't understand that category, that price point. But you're right; it's just like aspirational. I mean, but that's the problem with the Apple. Like the Apple Watch is bigger than the whole Swiss watch industry, right? Mm. Just like in sales Shit. volume. So Apple Watch is like Shit. a monster. So all those little Rollies you got in Brentwood, you know what I'm saying? That ain't, you ain't getting no tracking info. You know, you ain't seeing your heart rate <laughs> on that little that little Pepsi bezel ain't showing you any information. Pepsi bezel. Jason, yeah, you, you, you can't you can't receive you um, uh, text messages on the presidential, unfortunately. <laughs> Fucking exactly, up. exactly. The rose gold prezi don't receive text messages. <laughs> um, do you, Michael? Do you think we're going to return to a a classic men, hashtag menswear era style of dressing in the near future? Because I do. I definitely think like this is going to cause a well. I think, you know, there's because people can't go anywhere and do anything and, and you know, the, there's no sort of style being uh, broadcast like via Instagram and Fitbits and tunnel walks and all that bullshit, although NBA, like, was happening. The worst dressed men in the world, <laughs> somehow, that's the ones we get to see during this fucking know, tragic time. It's crazy. That's all we're left with. Um, I think because a lot of that's not around, like, probably um, – I think it, I think people just now evaluating like shit they bought. And, and I think part of it was like, we're all so busy. We just buy stuff because it's like this moment of making you try to, you try to find some happiness in buying something and then you get it and you do that like every day or every week. And you're just on autopilot, just buying shit, not that you need it. And now we're all stuck at our houses. Like, why do I have all this shit? You've been copying gear, Michael and core. Don't lie. I haven't bought much to be honest. Well, you, I bought you, like a ton of yeah. ton of cooking stuff, you know. My yeah, I bought, I bought a bunch sense. of Hill City stuff because they're going out of business, and I really like it. So, uh, a lot of people like that brand. I don't. It's a Gap running brand, yeah. correct? It's owned by the yeah, Gap. Exactly. I I just somebody somebody they made like the best socks maybe or something. There's like one product they were very good at. They um I have like a bathing suit like layering stuff. They they do like a merino tee. Wow, the fact that you, I figured you were a. The Libricon guy like myself <laughs> in Brimwood, but man, I guess not. I thought you would have a, like a nice bright turtle print, you know, 400 large with the carrying case for the bathing suit. You know what I'm saying? 
Jason don't even know. Jason's broke ass don't know nothing. Uh, about I have that. seen all of their many, many dozens of terrible European ugly pattern uh, <laughs> swim trunks that cost one eighty five. That's why I just had the. I just got the plain. Yo, I got. I, I, I swim in heads. my V loans, and that's it, bitch. <laughs> Jason, Jason, much like Justin Bieber, he wears his board shorts with Calvin Klein boxers underneath. It's every day, bro. Motion, you know what I mean? I don't know what. I don't know why he does that, but he's always done. It's it. like me. I wear my basketball shorts under my jeans. You know. Under your jeans. Adam Sandler style? <laughs> you really do live in Brentwood. Chris, Chris, you were talking about you were talking about going back to the, 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 the kid, menswear, the hashtag menswear style of dressing. What would you consider that to be for a listener who might not know? Like what would what would be the generic uniform that you're describing? I I mean I have my take. I, well, I think it's not going to be as extreme. Like, I don't think guys are going to be showing up in like double-breasted blazers with like a pompadour. Mm. So you're talking, so um, like the formal dress just, where it's like very, very put together, crazy suit. I just think that I just think the sneakers and logo driven and like that will dissipate some. And we'll be wearing shirts with buttons mm-hmm. on them and shoes with hard soles and maybe some you know real jeans, uh, not track pants or mm. you know a, a lovely kerchief. In my case, stone eye. Yes, my Stone Island swishy pants might have to, you know, get put back in the drawer for a little while. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think so, too. I think people are just ready to wear real clothes at a certain point, at least for a little bit. And it might uh, just go right away. Um, I think, like, menswear, what happened in menswear in the last, I don't know, a couple of years, like, hasn't been that interesting. And I think it's sort of just all been very derivative and kind of lazy. Um, and I don't know, like... Damn. Shots fired at all all V loan wearers. So you're not also, rocking off white. He's talking about <laughs> everything, not just streetwear, Chris. When, I know Michael pulled up in the in the BMW wagon at John and Vinny's Brentwood <laughs> with the full off white on. You know what I'm saying? Uh, let me get let me get an LA woman. Let me get an LA woman to go. You know what I'm saying? I got my kids in the car. Hold, hold on. That is so sexy. <laughs> you know we we went to which is a good a good sort of parallel to that story is we I went to this. Uh, preschool tour in Brentwood and uh I I actually missed the tour so I went to I went to a special we I went to like 20 fucking preschool tours I went and the first thing I pull right up and there's a mom standing there and like head to toe off white and I was just like no I can't fucking do this so you gave her so you got out you got out of the truck in the full Palm Angels fit gave her a pound and just walked right in that's fire yeah, I so love that you, Michael you're able that's to use your preschool as a biz dev tool the way most of Hollywood elite does <laughs> exactly I thought I had to go to Maxfield to see fits like that but I just got to go to Brentwood and hit the local private schools I mean wow what a movie um no, and I'm, I'm I'm really pleased about your return to the content machine. <laughs> Michael, drop um, that motherfucking Substack you- URL so our listeners can go you know, go subscribe. Oh, it's easy. You, uh, it's a continuouslean.substack.com. And and you know, Jason, if Michael was a rapper, it would be continuously leaning. You know what I'm saying? With <laughs> Chris, the I think cup. I think you already know we can do better. I'll I'll try to patch a better one in 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 post. That's fine. That's I was fine. hoping that you know um, I was going to get at least one little baby reference in, you know, or something. Uh, we just gave it to you. What yeah, do you, mean? you no, Oh, oh, you. oh, little baby, the rapper. I'm sorry. Um, are you? Wait, can I ask you? I, this is a serious question. I wanted to ask you. Are you? Are you a little baby fan or a da baby fan? Oh, little baby, we're da baby had one. He had like a month where he was the hottest rapper in the world, and then people realized that every song sounded the same. And little baby, also little baby's like actually. 
on the front lines, like doing shit for the community in Atlanta yeah. in a way that like I we talked about this on the show with Joe Coscarelli, but like in a way that I think that there needs to be a young rapper stepping up and doing that kind of stuff. Um, because I, I think that kids want to see themselves in that kind of thing versus like an old head telling them what to yeah. do. Yeah, Dub du- Baby kind of um, like like uh, the Kevin Hart of rappers. Like he came in hot and now everyone is like, <laughs> uh, I, I get it and I think I'm all set. Yeah, it's 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 funny, but yeah, I, I don't, you know, no, we're we're little baby hive. We're team QC quality control entertainment. <laughs> you know, we we go we go way back on this podcast with those guys, and I'm very happy about their success and what they've done for Chelsea's the city. Shout out to you Coach. Know? Yeah, there was um there was actually an article in Rolling Stone uh, about little baby that I listened to. Yeah, the cover. He got a big cover story. My friend Dewang Valdez. Shout out to Dewang. Shout out. Oh, cool. I listened to it on Autumn, so that app that basically reads you. Stories on New York. We're fans. What's we're that? fans of that here. We're, we use that on this podcast. I listen to New Yorker articles and, and New York Times oh, cool. articles on that. From time yeah, to time. I use it all the time too. And, and it was interesting to hear about his life, little baby. No, it's I, I, I agree. I think he's a really interesting character. And I think that he's going to kind of have a, um, I feel like he's poised to have like a pretty long career uh, based on the moves he's making now. Okay, well, you know where to find Michael, a continuouslean.substack.com, a continuouslean.com, at a continuouslean on all mm. social media platforms. Um, or you can just pull up to Brentwood and let it spray. <laughs> um, Michael, thank you for joining us. Honestly, it's a pleasure. Um, I'm glad you're doing well. Congratulations on the, on the second child. When you're ready for uh, the cookout, let us know. Wa- okay. Yeah, let us know. Let us know. We'll come spray. Yeah, we'll do, a, we'll do a 14 day quarantine in the yoga studio. Don't worry. We'll do a, we'll do a rapid actually, test. I'll bring a rapid test. We'll just do it right away. Damn, this guy you know, can't like stop flexing. The oval. This guy cannot <laughs> stop flexing. This podcast is, is usually a little more understated than this. Can I get you a Fiji while you yeah. wait for your uh, your rapid test? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you actually have to get rapid tested when you come in our gated community, so it'll be it'll be really easy. I'm just kidding. I couldn't. That, that just, could absolutely be a true statement. That Yeah, that sounds real. I have to hang up now before I get too angry at how poor I am. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. We'll talk to you soon, bro. Thanks.